0: Chapter Twenty-One of Campfire Girls in the Country by Stella M. Francis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The Midnight Council Fire. It was eleven thirty o'clock at night. The moon was shining brightly from a clear sky. There was a freshness of life and vegetant nature that manifested itself in a degree to every one of the five senses the heavy rain of the night before and the warm sunshine that followed had got in their good work with evident results everywhere in and about fern hollow at precisely eleven thirty o'clock according to the main timepiece of the flamingo campfire girls camp the alarm of said timepiece rang out with far sounding clearness the ring was not muffled by the canvas enclosure within which the alarm clock stood for it was a warm night and all the tents had been opened to admit all the fresh air that would pass through. With the ringing of the alarm, the two occupants of the tent arose from the cots where they had been reclining, and quickly prepared themselves for a tour of the other tents to carry the alarm, from the clock to every ear. Five minutes later, every sleeping tent in the camp was a scene of the liveliest activity. Who says a girl can't dress quickly when occasion demands? the occasion in this instance was a dressing race as soon as all had been awakened the signal was given and then began the novel speed test pretty soon the voice of marie chrismore called out ready i win 2 minutes and 58 seconds announced miss ladd the timekeeper who herself made a very good dressing record although hampered with the necessity of timing of the members of the fire in her charge The race was a close one, the difference in the time made by the winner and the last girl dressed being measured only by seconds. The picture that now presented itself in the soft moonlight was that of thirteen campfire girls and their guardian, clad in ceremonial gowns, and with tan sheepskin moccasins on their feet, and their hair bound with headbands and strings of honor beads hanging round their necks of course all the girls had reckoned on this race before going to bed and had plaited their hair in two braids each and were very careful when they lay down not to tangle the loose locks any further than was unavoidable and so when they got up just a dash of their combs over the few tangled places sufficed to make them presentable so far as this portion of their toilet was concerned the guardian now led the way uphill a short distance then directly north two hundred yards taking a zigzag course in order to avoid impediments of bush and underbrush and then downhill again to a clear and fairly level grassy spot a few rods distant from the abandoned summer resort headquarters here all was in readiness for the first midnight council fire any of those present had ever known to be held strictly speaking it was contrary to the spirit of the hygienic rules of the organization which are not friendly to the keeping of late hours. Miss Ladd objected when the first suggestion of a midnight council fire was made. It was a bad precedent to establish, she said. Young girls should hold fast to the principle of early to bed and early to rise, she argued, but was interrupted by Marie Crismore, who inquired, Isn't getting up at midnight early rising? Yes, but you must go to bed at 4 p.m., the guardian answered quickly. "'We'll do that if you say so,' said Ernestine Johanson. "'But if we go to bed at eight-thirty o'clock, take a recess from sleep between eleven-thirty and one-thirty, and then go back to bed and sleep until six-thirty, we will have had eight hours sleep.' "'Why have you girls set your hearts on this custom-breaking idea?' Miss Ladd inquired. "'The real reason is this.' volunteered Violet Monday. Snowqualm is going to be made a torchbearer, you know, and Snowqualm is the Indian for moon. Now, when is the best time for her to receive her highest honors as a campfire girl, if it is not when the rain of the moon in the heavens is subject to the least dispute? Midnight. Can we honor Snowqualm any more than by making her a torchbearer when the sun is directly under her feet? Snowqualm was Hazel Edwards' campfire name. She was not present when this discussion was held, or Violet's speech would have been postponed. The Guardian was won over completely by the argument. It was to be a surprise on Hazel. Flamingo Fire, in spite of this departure, was careful in its observance of the rules of the craft. The general instruction that ceremonial meetings should be held weekly at summer camps was obeyed implicitly, and this Midnight Council fire was the first of four scheduled for the month of July. The programs of these meetings promised to be interesting during the entire vacation outing, as the girls were all working industriously for honors and promotion. After their arrival at the scene of this Midnight Council fire, and the formation of the circle, wood and kindling were brought to the center of the circle by the wood-gatherers. To Marion Stanlock, a torch-bearer, was assigned the duty of lighting the fire. This she did with the stick-rubbing process, at which she was especially skilled. After the blaze of the burning tender of shredded cottonwood roots had ignited the kindling, and then seized onto the wood that was laid on top, the group of gowned midnight celebrants solemnly recited the following ode. O Fire! Long years ago, when our fathers fought with great animals, You were their protection. From the cruel cold of winter you saved them. When they needed food you changed the flesh of beasts into savory meat for them. During all the ages your mysterious flame has been a symbol to them for spirit. So tonight we light our fire in remembrance of the great spirit who gave you to us. Then followed the chanting of Wohelo cheer, the roll call of the campfire. most of them Indian names, TO WHICH EACH PERSON RESPONDED WITH THE WORD, COLA, THE READING OF THE COUNT, THE MAKING OF INDIVIDUAL REPORTS, THE AWARDING OF HONORS, AND FINALLY INITIATIONS. THERE WAS ONLY ONE INITIATION BEFORE THE COUNCIL FIRE, THAT OF HAZEL EDWARD'S SNOWQUALM, THE MOON, AS torchbearer. AT THE REQUEST OF THE GUARDIAN SHE AROSE, AND THE CEREMONY BEGAN. THE GUARDIAN RECITED THE HISTORY OF HER ACHIEVEMENTS, showing that Snowquam had the required qualifications of a leader, was trustworthy and unselfish, and that she was able to present fifteen honors in addition to those she presented for the rank of fire-maker. In conclusion, the head of the fire said, Now, Snowquam, I call upon you to repeat the torch-bearer's desire. And Snowquam obeyed thus, That light which has been given to me I DESIRE TO PASS UNDIMMED TO OTHERS. Oh, girls, look there! These words, uttered at this juncture in tone and accents of a kind that are not usually associated with the quiet and composure of a council fire, sent a sharp thrill of apprehension through the group of girls and marked the close of the meeting. It was Julietta Hyde who spoke, and with her utterance she pointed one finger off toward the southwest. Every eye turned in the direction indicated and beheld a sight that none of them will ever forget. Just emerging into the open from beyond a clump of bushes and small trees was the form of a woman of a little more than medium height, clad in a loose-fitting garment, head bare, and advancing toward the abandoned summer resort hotel. End of Chapter 21